Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. This will be uh, your final Sunday in 1 Peter. Unless you desire to go back and study it some more soon. Maybe you will. I don't know. But uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, we'll look at the, um, the last verses, verses 11 through 14. And then uh, focus just on one of those verses this morning. So let me read these to you. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 11. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. Verse 14 says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So we'll focus on one of these verses this morning. I'll let you choose. You want to focus on the kiss verse or the dominion verse? We'll focus on the dominion verse. Since, uh, since everyone's afraid of viruses and whatnot, we won't focus on how to greet one another in a holy kiss way, not how, uh, how we can share as the church with one another, but not share our germs. So uh, let's, let's focus this morning on the dominion of Christ, the authority, the power, the control of Christ. I, I know that you know this, and really what I should preach to you is this, Christ has all dominion. Let's pray and end. That's really how we should treat today's Verse. That's how we should treat today's message. That he is, he has all authority, all power, all control. That God is sovereign. That he has all dominion. That everything in this earth, on this earth, belongs to him. It's all his. He has all dominion. Yet we still battle against that. We still forget that. Often we treasure other things. We get distracted. Uh, We live in this battle between who will have dominion over us. What will have dominion over us? Will sin continue to have dominion over us? Or will Christ rule and reign over us? And so we'll look at this verse this morning, and I hope to be very simple for you. I hope to be very uh, just to the point for you. When we recognize the the dominion of Christ, it even aids in helping us go and have this courageous faith to go to places that that it's not welcomed to share about Christ and the hope that we have in Him and the salvation that only comes through Him. It helps in in spurring others along when they know who is in total control, who, who, um, who ultimately has all power, who has all authority. It motivates others to have courageous faith and to, to go and to represent this king that we, that we serve, this king who came to serve us, actually. You know that from the beginning, God, in his, in his infinite wisdom, began the practice of giving to his creation good things. You can read the creation narrative and see this, that God is a God who is, who is willing to give us, as his created folks, give us good things, give us good gifts. And he desired, even from the beginning in Genesis chapter 1, he desired that man would rule over or have dominion over the world. Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish and of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on this earth. And if you're a fisherman like me, you know that things must not be the way that they are intended to be. Because when you go fish and you're not catching anything, and you quote this verse, but, yeah, but I have dominion over you fish, grab a hold of the lure that I have and let me rule over you. We must be living in a broken world. Things are not right. What happened? Well, man and woman rebelled and decided that they would rule over themselves. They would break 
the rule of the Lord. They would break the commandment of the Lord and rebel against that and begin to try and rule over themselves. Man, trying to rule over self, brought rebellion into the world. A curse then happened. Genesis chapter 3, And he said to Adam, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat eat of it all the days of your life. We live in a cursed, broken world. Thorns and thistles, verse 18 of chapter 3 says, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field, but the sweat of your face you shall by the sweat of your face, and you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. A cursed, broken world, not the way that it's supposed to be. Sin entering and causing us to be separated from, from the Lord. Sin entering, rebellion entering, and causing this world that we live in to be broken and cursed. And man is still trying to rule over that. Still trying to gather or gain dominion over over even the cursed ground. The ground is cursed, and yet we want to have dominion and control over it. The hope of eternal life seems to be disappearing, and so we're going to come in and bring the remedy. We'll be the rescuers. Man's rule now seems to be managing fleeting things. We're going to take dominion over things that have no eternal value. The end of this curse says, For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. We are trying so desperately, even at this moment, to have dominion over dirt. We like to yell at one another, Hey, that's, that's my dirt. You've, you've taken it. My best friend Brett and I, my parents who are here this morning, uh, helped build a great sandbox for us, and we would fight often in the sandbox. We would have sandbox wars fighting over whose sand, who's, what, what dirt belongs to one another. And he actually threw a shovel at me and cut my head open. Yet I remained faithful to the cause. And the sandbox belonged to me. There's still a fight that rages, that rages on. And through the Bible we see this constantly. You can turn to the book of Daniel and see the fight that's going on. The book of Daniel chapter 7 these prophecies are happening that there will be this rule. This, this nation will rise up and rule, try and rule over. And this nation will try and rule over. And this nation will try and rule over. Uh, a longing for, a battle for dominion. And yet the Lord will send one who will rule over them all. Who will have dominion over them all. The prophecy goes that this one will look like the Son of Man. Look like a Son of Man. Who will this weak man-looking person be that's going to come and rule over them all. We know that Christ fulfilled that prophecy to come and rule over them all. And as good Baptists, we know that the Great Commission tells us that Christ himself told us that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And yet we wrestle with that daily. Or I'm assuming you do. I'm assuming you're like me. We wrestle with that daily. We hear him say that he has all authority, but when will that actually take place? When will he actually have all authority? When Peter ends this letter to these exiles, to these suffering sojourners, when he's saying don't give up, he's reminding them that Christ has all dominion, that Christ has all authority, that all power belongs to him. Yet in the midst of suffering, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of fiery trials, They weakened. They forgot that. They thought other things or other people might have all control and all power. 
I mean, in the context of this, these believers, doesn't it seem as if Nero, the emperor, doesn't it seem like he has rule and dominion? Doesn't it seem like he's the one that's creating the laws? He's the one that's bringing about the fiery trials, literally, blaming the Christians, blaming the Christians for fires that he was setting, leading towards persecution and martyrdom of many Christians there, many of the ones that read this letter. Doesn't it seem like Nero has dominion? What about you today? Who is it that you're thinking of at this point? Yeah, I know Christ said he has all authority and all power and all control and that dominion belongs to him. But really, really, really it's my kids. They rule my house. Really it's our our fur babies. They rule our house. Really it's my my boss. Really it's it's the government. Really it's the IRS. Really it's whoever you think it is. And you wrestle with that daily. And then if you're anything like me, and I hope that you're not, but you probably are, you think you rule over yourself. I'm making all these decisions. I'm determining my steps. I'm making my plans. I'm determining what's next. I'm in, I'm in control. And there's this battle for dominion, even over, even over your soul and over your heart today. The battle rages. The battle rages on. Who does all this belong to? At some point, we think, yes, we agree, Jesus. At some point, it will all belong to you. But that's not the story of the Bible. It never has been. It's a false teaching to think that someday it will belong to Jesus. It has always belonged to him. Read John chapter 1. In a minute, we'll read Psalm 24 together. It has always belonged to him. Who created it? Who is the rescuer? Who's bringing the remedy? Who's sending his son? God has always and forever will always be in control. This belongs to him. Many have forgotten that. Sin has persuaded our own selfish desire. Rebellion has created thoughts in our head that make us think that he does not have dominion and power. But that is not the case. So this morning, simply, a simple question. Who do you belong to? Who has dominion over your life? Or what do you belong to? What has dominion over your life? Think about this in terms of kingdoms. Every place that a king rules, he leaves a mark representing that. This place belongs to me. He, he raises a flag. He puts his crest out there so that people know this is part of my kingdom. His banner is placed over his people, knowing that these people belong to to me, a king, particularly like King Jesus, makes it known those who belong to him. Think about what Christ said about his disciples. They will know that you're my disciples by the way that you love one another. Well, that's interesting because Song of Solomon tells us in chapter 2, verse 4, he brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. It seems to be this theme that those who are in ruling over others, in particular like Christ, he rules over his banner over those people, those that he loves, or those that he is ruling over, is this love mark. We know this. We see this. We see Christ's love of the world, love of those perishing, that they wouldn't perish to come and save us from that. We become these markers for Christ in this broken, to borrow Ed Welch's term again, death leftovers world we become these markers of christ's rule over 
the world. First Peter chapter 2, verse 4-5. through 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones. These markers, these Ebenezers, being set up, built as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Who do the priests belong to? How are they holy? Not because of sacrifices they made, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through through Jesus Christ. We are these markers. His banner over us is love. He has purchased us. He has dominion and rule over us. How do you get that? How do you gain power and control over something? How do you get authority and rule over something? How can Christ have dominion over the entire world? 1 Peter 1, 18-21 Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold. Do you not think this? That at some point you're going to be able to purchase your way into authority? Or purchase your way into rule? Or buy your way into all dominion? Don't kings and kingdoms still try and do this? We'll purchase this island off the coast of whatever and we'll claim it to be ours, and we'll pay this amount of money. We'll bring gold and silver, and we'll, we'll prove to you that, hey, uh, you thought that you ruled over this, but we have more money than you, and so we're going to purchase this, and we will, we will buy this. And you wrestle with this this week. If I make enough, if I do enough, if I gain enough, then I'll have, I will have control. I will have power. I will have authority. Once I get things in order, in my head, in my heart, in my soul, once I gain control of myself, then maybe I'll truly have dominion. That's not the case. And Christ knew this. God knows this in His infinite wisdom. That's why He sends His Son to purchase us. Verse 19 of First Peter chapter 1 says this, We've been purchased with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. It is the only thing worthy of purchasing us. Everything else is cheap, not worthy. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God and God alone. Christ can have dominion and rule because he's the only blameless, spotless one. He can have dominion and rule because he gave himself up for the sake of others and purchased us with his own blood. Nero's not doing that. No politician is doing that. I as a parent want to do that, but I'm not doing that. I as a husband want to do that, but I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not spotless. I I have many things I can be blamed for. I don't want to rule over myself. I want Christ to rule over me. Who do these suffering sojourners, these exiles, truly belong to? They thought, again, they thought they belonged to Nero. It seemed so. Their passport, like mine, says they belong to a country. But that's not the case. Peter reminded them, you are exiles, you are sojourners, you don't belong to this place. This place is broken. You belong to a greater kingdom, a greater king, one who has purchased you with his blood. Who do you belong to this morning? Do you belong to money? Do you belong to stuff? Do you belong to your passions? Do you belong to sin? 
All those things lead to darkness. And doesn't it seem in the world that we live in today that darkness is ruling? Don't you see that? How often we see, oh, the darkness, it seems like it's taking over. Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. This country's not the way that it used to be. My home's not the way that it should be. My work's not the way that it should be. The school's not the way that it should be. None of this stuff is the way it should be. It just seems like darkness is creeping in. Well, what does John 1 tell us? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word being Jesus. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness cannot cover Christ, and we belong to Him. 1 Peter 2, verses 9-12, through 12, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have you have mercy. And so, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and as exiles to abstain from the passions of flesh, which w- wage war against your soul, to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, as representatives of darkness, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Why have you been brought out of darkness into light? Why is Christ ruling over you? So that God might be glorified. So that Christ might be exalted. Why? Because he's the only one worthy of that. He's the only one worthy of that. And we as the church, we as the church join in this. We as the church join in this and say the world for Christ. Christ for the world. We look at it and we say his name to be proclaimed everywhere. He already has dominion. He's already purchased the world. Yet people are being ruled by sin. People are still being separated by sin here and the world. There's a story about Napoleon, not the ice cream, but the small man from France. Napoleon gave to his soldiers, so they would keep in their little bag, a map of the world, colored with the colors of France. They might remember, we are going to take over the world for France. I mean, he joined in that. What a great cause. France is going to rule the world. Yet we know, we know because of history, and we know because of current context, it will never happen. There's only one worthy of ruling over the world that he created. There's only one worthy of purchasing back those who have been separated, the ones that he created. There's only one worthy of being exalted. There's only one worthy of having dominion. This world eternally belongs to the creator of it. You eternally belong to the one who is saving you. And we represent that. We represent Christ's dominion over the world. Too often, you see this again, you see sin ruling and reigning. And you get aggravated, agitated, frustrated with it. We need to do something about it. Christ has done something about it. And we represent what he's done about sin. Destroying it. 
removing it as far as the east is from the west, saying it is not worthy to be ruled over. No, Christ is the only one to be ruled over. We represent that. Here, in this county, in this state, in this nation, and across the world, we represent what Christ has and is and is going to do. When we sin, we raise up that banner, the banner of sin. And we say sin rules over us. And the message of 1 Peter is no. Christ has made you pure and holy. Remain in that. Don't let sin rule over you again. When we sin, we raise the banner of sin. And we say sin rules over us. No, that's not the truth. When we produce fruits of the Spirit, Christ rules over us. When Christ is ruling and reigning inside of us and He's producing out of us what He desires, His banner is over us. And the world sees that. Maybe not the world, but at least those you're closest to, the ones that you have influence over. When our treasures are of the world, those treasures begin to rule over us. When our treasure is Jesus, just guess. He rules over us. When we recognize that he has dominion because he's the only one worthy of purchasing us, he becomes our one and only treasure. When we shrink back, as many of these sojourning, suffering exiles, Peter thought that they might, when we shrink back and trust self and try and rule over self, let sin rule over us and let death rule over us, those are the things that are being lifted up. Those are the things that, that are being glorified, so to speak. Yeah, death. Way to go, sin. Yeah, self. Doesn't that, sin like, doesn't that sound like the way of the world? When we have courageous faith, he rules over us. And not just courageous faith, hear me, not just courageous faith to go to some foreign country, but courageous, courageous faith even to say, Mandy, I want to love you as Christ loves the church. Boys, girls, I want to show patience that only Christ can develop in me. I want to be slow to anger, abounding in love, courageous saying, Christ, it's not about me. Let my faith be in you, my trust be in you and you alone, and let you rule over me. And then send me somewhere like Red River so that I can represent you in a beautiful place that makes me think of heaven. <laughs> we want Christ to be ruling over us. Our faith in him, our trust in him to be ruling over us. But some of you may say as we conclude this morning, these words from Peter are just a, a doxology, right? Just like a religious saying in order to praise the Father. You know, like a, a God bless you, or hope in Christ, or praise Jesus, or I'm praying for you, or bless your heart, or at some point, Christ is going to have dominion over this world. It's just a saying, right? It's just a saying. Maybe you want to interpret that way, interpret it that way. But as a suffering, sojourning exile who has no place to belong in this world, my only hope is that Christ has dominion over me. Jude 24 and 25 says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, 
Through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Can I just say this? Now means now. Forever means forever. Christ should be ruling and reigning in your heart. Yeah, preacher, I know. Long ago, long ago I gave my life to him, and at some point he's going to have dominion. Yeah, preacher, I know I've been following him for a long time, and he saved me from my sin. And at some point he's going to have all authority over me. But right now I'm still wrestling with it. Still trusting in self and letting self rule over me. When self rules over you, all you get is self-glory. And it fades. It doesn't last. We want to be a part of an eternal glory that only comes from only comes from Christ. Psalm 24. We'll end there together. Turn to Psalm 24. Psalm 24 follows Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is about the good shepherd, about the Lord being our shepherd, which Peter knew really well. He knew that we needed a good shepherd, and that's why he talked about those things. And he knows that the only way to survive in this broken world where it seems as if sin is ruling and darkness is pressing in and overtaking us is to set our minds upon things above, to set our minds upon the King of glory, to set our minds upon His dominion. Psalm 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell within. Sin and Satan and death are lying. Sin and Satan and death say that they can rule over and still you can have a good life. Sin, Satan, and death only leads to death and eternal separation from God. Christ has remedied that. I love the fact, and you know this by heart, John 3.16, that God in His love for us sent His Son to save us, to save the world. For God so loved only the Jews, right? For God so only loved the Americans. For God so only loved those who look like me. For God so only loved those who talk like me. For God so only loved those who I love. No, God loves the entire world. Why? Because the entire world should be worshiping Christ, the only one worthy of worshiping. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell there within. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. He created this. It belongs to him. Yes, sin has entered and brokenness and separation are showing up and cursed is the place that we live in. Yet, Christ has remedied that in his son Jesus and given us a sure and steady anchor and giving us, given us a living hope that we can live for under his rule, under his reign, under his dominion. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Can anyone, can any one of us, or any of us spotless and blameless? Who has clean hands and a pure heart? Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully? There is no hope in yourself. There is no hope in anything, any treasure of this world. 
Verse 5, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation, such as the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. Only God can provide the blameless, spotless lamb. Only God can provide the way for us to be in right relationship with him. And only God can be the only one. He can, he's the only one who can truly righteously rule, who can have all authority and not misuse it. You give me authority, I'm going to misuse it. God is the only one who can have all authority and not misuse it. Though I'd argue for a second, there are many moments when I feel like he has. When I see my sin, when I see my terrible choices, and I want to argue with the Lord and say, you sent your son to stand in my place You sent your son to come and take my place? Your sinless, spotless, blameless, pure, holy son to die for me. Should you have rethought that? Am I worthy of that? You can wrestle with that this week. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Remember last week? Under his mighty rule, subject to his mighty hand, his mighty rule over us, submitting to him and to him alone. Who is this king of glory? The Lord is. There's only one. He's strong. He's mighty. He's the Lord. He's mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in and rule and reign and have dominion over us, even in the wee little times in Lee County, New Mexico. Verse 10, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Christ is king. He is Lord. He is Savior. He has dominion. He has all authority, all power. Treasure that and that alone this week. Let that be persuading and motivating your every action. Lord, rule over me. I trust you for removing my sins. I trust you. I trust you for standing in my place. Increase my faith. Let me trust in you for ruling over every bit of my life. To him and to him alone belong dominion and power now and forever. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, help us in our struggle and our wrestle against sin and death and Satan to trust in you. Let us see what you have done with sin, how you have conquered the grave, how you are victorious over all. God, this morning, as you continue to stir in our hearts, God, as we look towards trusting in treasures of this world, as we look towards leaning on things that are really have no foundation, God, let us trust. Let us trust in you and you alone. And God, when we grow weak and we think about shrinking back and our faith begins to, to waver because it seems as if darkness is overtaking, it seems as if maybe you're not in control, God, let us look towards your words. Let us look towards your work. Let let us worship you, 
trusting in you and you alone that you have you're the only one worthy of it you have all authority all power all dominion God in the places of our heart where we're holding on to in our souls in our mind where we're still trying to rule over ourselves and may you continue to soften our hearts convict us discipline us that we might be transformed into your likeness and thus glorify you God continue to speak to us as we worship you through song now and respond to you God let our heart and our mind think about think about the things that we're foundationally leaning on that are not of you God let us be convicted of those confess those to you repent of that and trust in you and you alone and we want Christ to receive all glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's respond, let's sing together, and let's worship Christ.